The Transport Workers Union Local 513 podcast with second vice president Brian Parker is online and streaming. Take it away, Brian. Hello, sisters and brothers of Local 513. Welcome to the TWU Local 513 podcast. Joining me today is our president, Greg Cozy, and our employee assistance program director, Mark Scroggins. Thank you for joining me today, guys. Well, thank you for having us, Brian. Thank you, Brian. If I could, I'd like to start with you, Greg, and let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the local. I know we haven't been able to conduct a membership meeting for a few months because of the pandemic leave and the need to social distance and be safe for our members. What's some of the big issues that the locals had to address over the past few months? That's right, Brian. We haven't had a, a membership meeting in a couple of months. And uh, the, the two major issues, of course, were the new contract that we were able to sign and also the effects of the pandemic. As far as the contract is concerned, um, you know, we really haven't had a, an opportunity to take a step back and sort of congratulate ourselves. Part of the uh, success of that groundbreaking contract has to go to uh, TWU leadership. That would be Alex Garcia, Mike Mays, Gary Peterson, and Andre Sutton. We want to thank them for the work that they've done in order to facilitate us receiving that contract. But again, the biggest issue has been trying to uh, resolve ourselves around this pandemic. And so Local 513 has been concentrating mostly on efforts to keep our members safe and healthy through the pandemic. So with the new contract, what are some of the major challenges you see for our members uh, as it relates to the JCBA? Well, the biggest hurdle that we, we seem to have right now is the implementation of all of the articles. There were certain articles dealing with the financial aspects of the joint CBA that took effect immediately. And then obviously there are other articles that are down the road. There's a lot of discussion about the implementation. The association has been meeting with AA management in regards to uh, implementation. And hopefully we can get some more credible timetables as far as some of those things are concerned. One of the biggest things that we're going to have as a challenge will be the fact that managers who were not part of negotiations or the mediation will put their spin on it or their own interpretation of things. So that's going to be a huge hurdle as we move forward. Yeah, that will be a huge hurdle. No doubt about it. Okay, aside from the contract, what about with the local? Is there any organizational or structural changes we can expect to see? Well, yeah, we've been basically trying to get in front of the issues surrounding the pandemic. So there were a lot of changes on a lot of things we wanted to institute at the beginning of the year. But quite frankly, we just haven't had a chance to get to them. I mean, negotiations, the signing of the contract, and of course now the effects of the pandemic. But yes, there are some things that we wanted to try to implement and we're going to implement. We've added more members to our standing committees. We have to try to get them up and running now. I think we have just a little bit of breathing room. We've instituted conference calls for our representatives. I think that's something new to our local, and it's beneficial because the fact remains we haven't been able to have membership meetings, nor have we been able to have meetings with our representatives face-to-face. So those conference calls gives us an opportunity to get some information out to our guys, and therefore they can disseminate it out to our membership. But we're going to get back on track. We're going to get back on track with those things, with the committee work. Also, uh, we were committed to doing more station visits. So we'll be visiting our outstations, San Antonio and Austin, more frequently. So, yeah, we, we've got some things that we wanted to get started at the beginning of the year. And uh, now that we, we have just a little bit of time, we're going to start focusing on those things. 
Okay, now you mentioned membership meetings. I know that we had to uh, postpone May's membership meeting. We've talked about putting a video out. Are we still on track to do that? Yes, we are. Uh, we're going to put out an informational video at the end of the month on membership day, May the 27th. Uh, what we'll ask our members to do probably a week or so beforehand is to submit any questions or issues they would like to see covered. But otherwise, it'll be pretty standard membership meeting covering the, the things that have transpired over the course of time, uh, of course, minus the financial report. And to be clear, this is not an actual membership meeting. This is just an informational way to get some message out to the members outside of being able to conduct a meeting, correct? Absolutely, yes. Uh, we've kind of stepped up the documents and the letters that we sent out to our members. We do it at least biweekly, if not weekly. We think the podcast, this gives a, a tremendous opportunity to, to touch our members. But yeah, the, the meeting, uh, the video that I'm referencing, uh, is it just informational only? Okay. And uh, you mentioned earlier talking about the uh, effects of the pandemic. Uh, you know, how much of an impact do you think the economic effects will have on our members? Well, I'll tell you, unfortunately, this thing is something that uh, I don't think any of us have ever experienced at all closest thing in my lifetime that I can think of would be 9-11. But the impact has been tremendous, not just uh, from a personal standpoint on folks, but, you know, as far as the overall economy, uh, how that relates to the airline. Obviously, we know that in DFW, we've gone from, you know, 450 flights a day, mainline flights to somewhere around 160. And so uh, that has affected our operation tremendously. Part of the social distancing and everything else, we were able to obtain a fifth day off for our members. Of course, it helps with the social distancing, but part of that was as a result of the fact that our schedule had been reduced. And so uh, moving forward, some of the conversations that I've had with senior leadership with the American Airlines, American is going to come out of this a much smaller airline. They're trying to be, in their words, more efficient. And I do believe that, you know, realistically speaking, that will affect our membership at some point. And whether that means in terms of overall membership, I'm not certain, but uh, it certainly has a huge effect on, on where we will be uh, today and, and in moving forward. Okay, but no doubt we'll be there for the members and you know we'll lead the way and absolutely fight on behalf of our members all the way. Always, that's our number one priority. Let's stay on the contract right now if we could. Talk about some of the uh, positives for us that came out of the new agreement. Well, yeah, as we spoke earlier about the implementation, some of it taking place immediately or almost immediately and then other things moving down the road. But uh, for us, the we you know, one of the immediate effects of the new contract was the fact that our raise took effect. The probationary period for our newer members was shortened. Uh, as far as disciplinary action is concerned, the advisories and the previous agreement when an advisory was issued, it stayed in for two years under the new agreement. Uh, the advisories are for one year, unless it's a severe circumstance, whether it's a career decision or last chance agreement, but uh, just a regular advisory it only lasts, you know, one year now. That's in effect. The fact that the 401k match is now in effect. So those are just some of the immediate impacts uh, that the uh, that we've seen from the new joint CBA. Uh, you know, I'll also add we got holiday pay that's going to double time and a half. Uh, we will be able to bank that uh eight hours of that holiday pay if we choose to, you know, put it in a, comp in a compensatory bank. So yeah, you're right. There are a lot of good things that, uh, kind of to your point earlier, we really haven't had a chance to stop and take a breath and look at 
at the positives right now. We're trying to navigate through some pretty choppy waters. Yes, indeed. Okay, Greg, uh, now I want to talk to Mark a little bit, and I want to give you the proper introduction you certainly deserve. Mark Scroggins is our Employee Assistance Program Director. You've been doing this a long time. Uh, Mark, if you would, just share how you got involved with the AP, and you know we'll go from there. Okay, well... How I got involved with the EAP is I needed them. Back in 1988, I had a drug and alcohol problem. I struggled with it for years. I couldn't quit. I tried to quit many times. I just couldn't put any kind of uh, sobriety together. My family had come and talked to me about me getting some help. And, of course, I didn't receive that too well. I thought, you know, they don't even know what they're talking about. So life went on. I was having problems that work. It was starting to affect my my health. Also, uh, it was affecting my job. So, you know, just uh, everything was starting to fall apart for me. So fortunately for me, my co-workers had called the EAP and, you know, just told them that they were concerned about me, you know, didn't quite know what to do. So they sent out one of the EAP guys to talk to me. Uh, sit down, had a long conversation with him. He kind of told me about treatment programs and, you know, what was available to me. And, of course, me being a good alcoholic drug addict, you know, I give him every excuse in the world why I couldn't go, couldn't afford it. And, uh, of course, you know, told us, well, you know, you, you, you have sick time, you have vacation time, you can take care of this. So basically he said, look, we have some help for you. If you want it, here it is, you know. Uh, this is what we can do, and, and, you know, and they left. And so I thought about that for a long time, and I thought, you know what, I'm just not ready to make that step yet. And uh, got to thinking about it, and one good thing about uh, somebody that's got an addiction, they're not going to wake up one morning and say, sure, it's a bright, sunshiny day outside, I think I'll go to treatment. You know, there's always got to be something that's going to happen to you. And that something happened to me. After that, I decided that I would call the EAP. So I made the phone call to them, tell them I was ready to go to treatment. And within three hours, I was in a treatment center. I did a 30-day treatment. After I got out, I did what's called the uh, EAP aftercare program. And after I was sober for about a year, uh, yeah, I just kept thinking about how the EAP helped me. So I called the union and asked them, you know, what can I do to help the EAP? So they put me in touch with a gentleman by the name of Sam Sadler. He had just taken over the uh, the TWU EAP position, and uh, he brought me on board, taught me everything I needed to know about, you know, being a peer coordinator. And uh, here I am 31 years later, still doing this, and, uh, you know, I appreciate him helping me out. But I always go back and I think about my coworkers that, went and talked to the EAP. You know, it couldn't be, could not have been easy on them. But one thing I do know is by them doing that, they helped save my life. You know, I didn't know whether I was going to, you know, lose my job or go to jail or this disease was going to kill me. So, you know, that, that was the main thing. Anyway, thank you for that question. Yeah, that's quite a testament. And I'm, I'm glad you're here today. And I've seen through the years, you know, what you've done for our members. So, uh, you know, before we go on to, you know, I got a couple more questions. I, I just want to say thank you for what you do. What type of programs does the EAP offer to our members? Well, some of them are, naturally, we have an alcohol and, and drug program. And uh, with that, uh, a lot of the treatment centers will help with uh, doing interventions, which is a, a pretty big deal, you know, for, for either the employer or for the loved one, you know, to help 
help get that going. Uh, some of the other programs are sexual addiction, gambling addiction, eating disorder. Of course, we have therapists for like anger management, stress management, marriage counseling. Also, we have not only therapists, we have like psychiatrists for depression, trauma, anxiety, you know, PTSD, just to name a few. We have went around the Metroplex and met with many, many mental hospitals. We have a pretty good rapport with all of them. So when we make a referral for, let's just say for a mental disorder for a family member or whatever it is, we make the referral and and that's it. Nobody's going to call us back and say, so-and-so came into the hospital and this is what the problem was. It's com- completely confidential. So you get them the help and basically uh, you're always there for them, but as long as they're getting the help, they need your hands off. We are on that now. On the alcohol and drugs, it's a little bit different. We are hands-on there. You know, we follow them for as long as we need to, you know. So, like I said, they have a we have an aftercare program that lasts a year. And uh, not only just a year, you know, we keep track of people and checking on them, see how, you know, make sure they're doing okay. Now, is the EAEP program only for the members? No, we uh, it's not only for the members because we work with a lot of spouses, children. I know between me and our peer coordinators, we've talked to aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, next door neighbors, you know, people they go to church with. So we're there to listen and to make referrals and, you know, get people the help that they need. Now, I know that you're not a, uh, a one-man committee. You have a committee and you have EAP peer coordinators. If one of our members needs some help or needs some assistance or just someone to talk to, I mean, how would they get in touch with you or one of the peer coordinators? Well, around the airport, on all the union boards, we'll have a list of all the peer coordinators. And on our TWU 513 website, we'll have all their information there. Also, all the locations that our peer coordinators are at is nationally on the line, facility maintenance, auto shop, allied, also our downline station like San Antonio and Austin. If you get a chance to talk to a peer coordinator, they're very passionate about what they do. They're very good and caring people. If you just want to find out some simple questions, you know, you can ask them, you know, whether it's uh, about rehab or if it's about a psychiatrist or, you know, what you can do. Just feel free to talk to these people. They're not going to go around talking about your business or anything like that. So also, we do have a uh, 24-hour TWU EAP helpline, and I just give out that number. It's 817-267-9553. We also have a office over in Bedford. That's actually where I am at most of the time. We just felt like we needed something that's kind of between airport and Union Hall to where there's just EAP people. So, you know, we do have a lot of uh, families that come over that we talk to. I've got all the brochures on different, you know, whether it's treatment center or mental health places. Or you don't have to just come talk to me. If you got a peer coordinator that you want to talk to them over there, you you know, more than welcome to do that. And we do have a part-time therapist that's there three days a week so you know just feel free to call any of us and uh let me just give out my main number for me is 817-800-2623 okay mark if the membership wants to help out with the eap uh how can they do that well it's kind of like what i was talking about earlier on my own story you know my own my own crew seeing that i was struggling and uh you know they reached out to the eap and you know helped change the how my life went. You know, we're with our co-workers five days a week, eight hours a day. You probably know your co-worker better than you do your own your own children sometimes. So, you know, if we see somebody that's struggling, whether it's alcohol or whether it's, uh, you know, depression or, you know, if we don't even know what it is, 
you know, just reach out to either me or some of the peer coordinators, or if you just want to tell that person, hey, have you thought about going to talk to the EAP? Just whatever we can do, because, you know, I know that we're all very passionate. You know, we all, we're all just like one big family. So, you know, if we could just uh, get out there and, you know, take care of each other, again, see somebody struggling, you know, reach out and uh, let's change their life. Let's give them some hope and some solutions like what I said that I've got. You know, that's the main thing I want. You know, I want some kind of hope and, and solutions, you know, so we can change somebody's life. Absolutely. Okay, Greg, uh, do you have anything you'd like to discuss with Mark while we got him here? Yeah, well, first, I just want to acknowledge the fact that the EAP program is an excellent, excellent um, part of our, our local and Mark does a phenomenal job. Mark is way too humble. Uh, Mark does a phenomenal job and the peer coordinators, they all do a fantastic job with that program. But while we have you here, Mark, I just want to have you kind of touch a little bit about uh, what the EAP does uh, with respect to our everyday operation. I know that I've called on you guys when we've had the unfortunate circumstance of having a, a member pass away or if we've had accidents on the ramp. If you don't mind, if you can kind of touch on uh, what the EAP does to, to assist our uh, employees during those times. Okay, well, thanks for that question. Um, yeah, we have what's called a uh, CISD, Critical Incident Stress Debrief Team. So if there's an accident on the ramp, whether it's a, a death or a, a pretty gruesome accident, we'll send a team, which is a mixture of uh, EAP peer coordinators and some professionals out to make sure our, our workers are okay. You know, we will set up a group and like in a private room and we can either do uh, say a whole crew or just people that are struggling with it. Same thing, you know, if we have somebody that passed, you know, we, we do do some grief counseling and uh, with, like I say, with a, a few of the same groups and with uh, professional help there. And uh, we do have a great bereavement team too that does the grief counseling too. Absolutely. Yeah, I know you guys work hand in hand uh, when necessary. On behalf of the local, it's a tribute to you. It's a tribute to the, the people on your team. And uh, we, we appreciate the work that you guys do on behalf of our members. We really do. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I wouldn't be able to do half the stuff that I do out there without the support of this local and without my peer coordinators helping me. Well, uh, you know, you lead into something that, I mean, it's just the truth. We're all in this together. Uh, you know, we were elected and put in these positions, and, and you're appointed to your position. You know, our main number one goal, no matter what it is, whether for an officer of the local a steward, a peer coordinator, or one of the committees. We're here for the members, so we're a resource for the members, and uh, we don't take that lightly. Absolutely, Brian. I couldn't have said it any better. Okay, before we go, is there anything else, Mark, that you uh, didn't get out that you'd like to cover? I think I pretty well covered most of it. I just want to thank you guys for letting me come out and talk about the EAP a little bit, and uh, just remember, you know, if there's somebody that's struggling or something that you're seeing or if it's your own family or, you know, whatever it is, it's strictly confidential, just give us a call. We, we want to help. Good advice. And Greg? Again, uh, thank you very much, Mark. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, this is part of what we talked about in our initial podcast is we want to bring on components of our local. Uh, we want to give exposure to folks who are doing things for other people. And uh, again, we just uh, we're happy that you were able to join us today. Thank you. Okay, Greg, you got anything else before we go? Yes. Uh, as you know, at the membership meetings, I always have what I like to call some housekeeping issues. Some of these are pretty significant. Some of them are just uh, as reminders to the membership. First of all, I want to remind everybody to uh, revalidate 
their uh, CIDA badges. We have until June the 1st in order to do so. The office is located at B-17 outside in the uh, unsecured side of the airport. Also want to remind folks that the signing bonus and the vacation week, if you're eligible, uh, will be paid out on uh, May the 22nd, which will be next week. Uh, more significantly, I want everybody to go to JetNet and take a look at the master seniority list. The master seniority list was put out uh, yesterday afternoon, and uh, there's a period of time in which you will have to protest uh, your placement on that list. And this is very important because that, that period of time is only 30 days. We have the forms at the hall. We can email them to you if necessary. You can contact any of us at the hall, specifically John Borges, recording secretary, to try to get that out to you. This is an extremely important thing because, of course, as we all know, one of the most important things that we have is our seniority. And so we want to ensure that it is correct. So if you believe that your placement on this master seniority list is incorrect, then please fill out the seniority protest form. That form is also going to ask for you to provide some kind of documentation. And if that's nothing more than what, you know, uh, a copy of, of the existing seniority list or any other supporting documentation that you may have to, to prove that your seniority has been put on a list uh, erroneously, then uh, please do so. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about before we leave is, uh, you know, what seems to be a very hot issue. And it's not just locally, but it's across the system. And that is uh, the control crew chief positions. I put out a communication early in the week discussing it. There have been some preliminary discussions uh, locally with management about CSMs taking over control crew chief positions. Those positions include the lavatories, the ABR crew chiefs, the cargo runner crew chiefs, any crew chief that calls overtime or is responsible for overtime or that moves pucks around or moves employees around. The CSMs are seeking to take that work over. As it turns out, I had a conversation with the president of Chicago's local 512, and we were discussing this. They're trying to implement this procedure in Chicago on their upcoming bid. We are relying on the international to assist us in the fight against this. Uh, they're having discussions on the international level with management about this implementation, but I can't put it any plainer. I can't emphasize it enough that that is our work. Those control crew chief positions have been crew chief positions, TWU represented employee positions for the past 40 years here in DFW. And we're not going to relinquish those positions without a fight. We're not going to relinquish those positions to CSMs. To me, and it's just my personal opinion, I believe that this is a method of job justification for CSMs uh, moving down the road. And I do not believe that we should give up any of our jobs to management just to justify their existence. Just to let the membership know uh, that we are fighting we're going to continue the fight and uh, we're going to assist our brothers throughout the system because this isn't just a DFW issue. It has a system impact and we're going to assist our brothers through the system, whether it be Boston, Chicago, Miami, wherever. We're going to do whatever we can uh, to help them in their fight. And in turn, they will help us in ours. Right now, that is priority number one for this local. Absolutely. And uh, to your point about the system, we are stronger together. It's been a good conversation with you guys. I appreciate you joining me. Before we go, uh, any last words? Well, again, you know, I'm grateful to be able to do these podcasts. I think that they are beneficial to our members. We ask if you guys have issues that 
that you'd like to have us cover during the next podcast or to the point that we made earlier for the informational video that we'll be doing at the end of the month, please email me at greg.cozy at TWU513office.com. Okay. Well, thanks guys again. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Y'all have a great day and tune in to the next TWU Local 513 podcast. For questions and comments about today's podcast, please email podcast at TWULocal513.org. For more information about TWU Local 513, please visit www.TWULocal513.org. Music licensed by Pond5. Today's podcast was produced, engineered, and edited by Tommy Engel.